Mansplanation is a show about two men trying to break free from the prison of toxic masculinity. They offer no professional advice or suggestion. They will occasionally use adult language and will often discuss examples of violence and malicious behavior, so parental guidance is recommended. You are way more technologically advanced in this stuff than I am. Uh, yeah, because I'm that I'm a younger man than you. How old are you? Right now, I don't. Yeah, at I don't this know. Moment. I guess I used to have an app for that. Did you also have an app to memorize your mom's maiden name and uh, the uh, elementary school you went to? <laughs> Okay. In our in the intro, because while we do talk about it, it I don't know. We haven't really talked about pop culture. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talked about Louis C.K., but I mean, the, I think the realm yeah. that we discussed Louis C.K. in is not like, hey, have you heard about the new Louis C.K. movie? Or it was uh, Louis C.K. really dropped the ball and missed an opportunity to make things right. And I mean, I guess we are talking about things that maybe like a a contemporary culture guide because we do talk about yeah. things that have happened today as kind of like a jumping off point. So I'm just going to say a culture guide. I don't know even know what that means. It could be like a culture touchstone. You know, we're always coming back and uh, bringing can, in from culture. Can I introduce the show? Yeah, you should do that. Welcome to Mansplain Nation, a culture guide to how manliness gets expressed in gender, class, and race, and what we can do to break free from the prison of masculinity. I'm Grunt. I'm Musk. Yes, and we are the Masculine Brothers. Yep. <laughs> we're we're workshopping that. I'm smashing that. a can of beer on my head right oh, now. I'm, I'm peeing into a bottle of Shasta, an empty bottle Whoa. of Shasta. 20 Not ounces. Not empty for long. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what color is Shasta? Is Shasta pea colored? That's what I was thinking. It can be. Thinking. <laughs> Depends on the flavor. Yeah, I mean, my pee is Shasta colored. You, you might want to see a doctor. Yeah, yeah. It, also, if it's carbonated, um, it was really nice knowing you. Ugh, gross. Yeah, anyway. Bubbly pee. Um, I have a business idea for you. Let's hear it. I don't know what the business is. It's just, okay. a, it's contingent on... I'm more intrigued now. It's It's... Well, hold on. We got to think this through with your legal expertise. And okay, I, we are doing air quotes around my, expertise. Right? My for, my forward thinking. Yeah, there's air quotes. If you're a listener of the show, you, you could just imagine at the beginning of a show is the first air quote, and at the end of the show mm-hmm. is the last air quote. I think you should. I think it's everything. Cool idea. <laughs> everything said. Is within air quotes. Between me and and Todd is in air quotes. Uh, but yeah, but the, the idea is just to start a business that's limited to certain age. Like you have to be mm. like on your 36th birthday. And we do different things for different ages. So right? from like 36 to 42. You can, you can go to the video part of our website and the videos are just real... Raunchy. Uh, what's the manliest thing you've done this week? 
The manliest thing that I did this week was I went to a joust. I saw two knights uh, fight <laughs> and then declare that they were going to fight to the death. <laughs> did they? Uh, we didn't stick around for that part. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't... <laughs> There's three shows. The first one, they, they do like some fancy horse riding and stuff like that. Second one, it's combat, but, but the king says, do not spill blood on my ground. Of okay. course, the bad knight does because he's a dick. Oh, shit. And uh, they agree that uh, at 5.30, they are going to uh, fight to the death. And at 4.30, my children were going nuts at the Renaissance Fair. And we decided to go home. Right. So we, you, had, we had enough of uh, rapping Germans and stuff like that. Right. You had to go away from your fight club and go to the Renaissance Fair mm-hmm. to find your kids. They called you and you're like, we're bored here, daddy. We want to come see the men fight to the death. And you're like, yeah. okay, fine. Yeah. Although <laughs> there was a furry there and it was scaring my youngest to death. She was afraid of the big bad wolf. Okay. And I was, was like, it a no, scary furry? You should be afraid. No, no. It was a normal furry, which to me is still scary. Why? <sighs> They're people too. They just are like people you inside of giant costumes having sex and occasionally they... using litter boxes. Okay. And I get it. Like if you're not hey, hurting man. anybody, whatever's consensual, blah, blah, blah. But man, that's – for me, it's, it's a thread too far. Dressing up? Dressing up in a mascot costume where you're 100% concealed, identity hidden. But that's their – that's their real identity. Maybe. Hey, I actually well, don't. I, I know very little about actual furry culture. and I know what's reported in the free papers okay. every year in the summer when Anthrocon happens. But Pittsburgh loves Anthrocon. We, we actually do. I mean, it's a, it's a moneymaker. We kind of love seeing the uh, people dressed up. In costumes, people like taking pictures, people like, you know, and they're getting a lot more comfortable with interacting with the general public and posing for pictures. It still weirds me out. The sex part of it is like just an, a, a facet of it. It's, it, it's not like. Who knows if it's even a real facet? It just might be kind of like one of those things that, you know, it's a rumor that's spun out of control. Who knows? It's a facet the way that sex is a facet of our every everyone's life. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's going to be like a. Um, um, a combine convention coming up and farmers will be there going and having crazy sex. But now are you creeped out by the people wearing mascot costumes? No, I've had to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I used to work for uh, children protective services and every year we would have like a big thing. Oh, right, I, right. And I would dress up as Albert the owl for that. The, the agency had purchased a costume. I was the only one that was willing to wear it. So I'd walk around and I'd interact yeah. with the kids and, you know that, that was fine, but yeah, yeah. I'm sorry that that level of a uh, that level of king kind of unnerves me a little bit. Um, maybe it's just you know you're repressing something. Maybe, maybe. Albert the Owl unlocked something. No, no, within you that scared you. Mm, no, you're not even willing to consider it. You're I was just gonna say no. You're just gonna run away from it. You're just gonna no. run right away from it. It was part of a job. You're gonna. <laughs> What about you, man? What was the um, manliest thing you did this week? Uh, I I tattooed myself. Did with, you? With a needle and ink. Let me see this. Um, I don't know how I would show you my knee right now. Uh, I expect you to text me a picture by the time you're done. It's really like it's something that would be on ugly tattoos. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I like there's. 
yeah, it was a first tattoo. I did it freehand. Um, and so there are aspects of it that I wish were better. Okay. Not ugly, but it's, it's letter. It's just, let. it's, huh? Are you happy with it overall? Oh yeah. I, I love it. It's a, okay, good. T- yeah. I love everything I, that I, I do. I am probably one of the last people in America that has no tattoos. Nah. I'm, I'm, a, there, I'm I feel like I'm a minority. There are plenty. Uh, no, I, th- I still, I still think even though tattooing is way more acceptable now than it's ever been in American culture, there's, it's. I saw more face tattoos today than I was expected to see, and that leads me to believe, like as a man with no tattoos, real I, face I, tattoos. I, what's that? You were real at a Ren tattoos. Fair. You were at a Ren Fair. I was at a Ren Fair, and then I went to uh, Fiori's for pizza. And I'd say between those two, I've seen five face tattoos. One was a fresh one on a senior citizen. <laughs> what? An older lady. Really? Neck tattoo, face tattoo. Actually, three face tattoos. A face tattoo? Really? Yeah. That's weird to me. And I'm not opposed to tattoos. Actually, I'm one, of the thing, one of the things I always talk about with my wife is I always want a tattoo. But I have a six-month rule where, like, if I still think it's a great idea within six months, I'll get it. And I mm-hmm. never do. Usually at, like, five months, 29 days, is like, oh, God, that's awful. Thank God I didn't go through with that. Huh. That just sounds like your ego defending itself. Hmm. Welcome to Mansplanation, where I psychoanalyze my friends. <laughs> a, a amateur therapy podcast where I turn the lens back onto the therapist. No. Yeah. Um, Tim gives amateur therapy to a professional therapist and makes yeah. him question things. <laughs> makes him take a long, hard look at himself. Here's Todd taking a long, hard look at himself. Put him under the lights. Huh. Okay. <laughs> right. I, I feel like you want to go through the act of tattooing mm-hmm. because you feel like it's right. It is some sort of rite of passage. Rite of passage. I like the idea of doing something like that. Uh, I think tattoos are beautiful. I think they're interesting. But at, right, there's nothing you've ever come across that you actually want to put on your body. So I, I right, I think you don't want a tattoo. I think I question my sense of style more than anything. My my artistic ideas. Right, but it's for you, so who cares? It, I care, especially like if after a couple months of like, oh god, that was a terrible idea. Now I have to live with this dragon that I saw on a Chinese takeout menu forever. <laughs> that was a bullet dodge, by the way. That's a real one. <laughs> You're like, this dragon's real cool. Oh, man, yeah. When I was in college, I used to go to this uh, Chinese place up in Johnstown. Man, they had the best dragon on the takeout menu, and I'm real glad I didn't get that. I feel like 80% 80 of tattoos, uh, that's what the story is. Yeah. Who's the comedian who has in Chinese on her arm tattooed uh, uh, orange chicken? Oh. There's a, there's a comedian who has that, and she, somebody asked her like, "Why'd you do this?" Like, yeah, I probably would have gotten it even if I thought it meant like peace and serenity. Is it like Ali Wong? Is it like an actual Chinese an American? Yeah, I don't think it's Ali Wong though. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. Uh, so oh, another manly thing I did this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I got sixty five of my closest female friends to sign a letter and vouch for me that I'm a good dude. Hey, great. Just in case I need it. Just in case you need it. It's good to have it as backup. I actually went to uh, 64 Banks and said, uh, would you sign this letter saying that I have not robbed you? This is also not a robbery. (laughs) Um, None of them signed it. 
and I was asked to leave 64 times. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, wow. That's that's unlucky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh. But, you know, hey, I, I, I still might need it later. Who knows? Uh, I went to 65 Chinese restaurants and ate there. I don't know. I'm, yeah. Tim and I are talking about this because over text messages, we were talking about a, um, a trend in accused men where they will, it's usually an ex or somebody from the distant past who s- accuses them of something terrible. They cut, right. An, an accusation, like an old accusation services. And there are then all of a sudden ex-girlfriends or people that they work with or People that would know them a lot less would come to their defense and they would say, see, see, it's kind of like saying my bra- I have a black friend and he doesn't think I'm racist. So therefore what I just said could not be racist. Only the worst version of that, I guess. Uh, yeah, probably. The, the ones that, I mean, racism is bad, but I think uh, an actual sexual assault. It's, um, it's funny because right since this has currently been in the news a lot, um, hopefully with, Former Supreme Court Justice nominee Brett Kavanaugh, whenever this comes out, former, not current, nominee or justice, scandal that has broken out around him. And like he's just won it, right? Like to to me, that's like this is a story that has been in the news hundreds of times, right? Like usually when a woman comes forward in in the recent past or not, and I shouldn't even say a woman because this, right, this isn't. You know, our our podcast is laser focused on making men look at themselves, but right, like this isn't really a gender issue, but it no. like it is. It's morally, it's mostly men's bad behavior, which then ripples out through society, right? Yeah. Um, because right, like it's that that the Asia Argento Argento story is similar. Um, mm-hmm. And realistically, I want to say the stats are. 10% of all sexual assaults are committed by women. And as somebody who has been in this field for about a decade, that seems real high. But at the same time, I also know a number of men whose first sexual experience was with you know, a significantly older woman when they were in their teens. Yeah. And you just never report that. And uh, what? A th- uh, only a third? No, less than a third. Yeah. Less, I would say slightly less than a third. I want to say it's like a 27%. Regardless of gender. Uh, are yeah. right a third of sexual assaults are report are unreported no are, are reported. so less than a third are re- of sexual assaults are reported yeah. um and so yeah well, it, it 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 really does feel to me just tire tiring and infuriating at this point like like not at this point but really it's like really we're still having this conversation of oh this guy only did it to one woman and it was 20 years ago. So it can't be true. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, you can't. It's not the way it works. That's not how, that's not how our, um, we, that's not how modern justice or law enforcement is supposed to work. I'm glad you said supposed to. Yeah. Or or should would also work there. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we're going through this right now in the Senate and in the Supreme court, is clearly indicative that we're nowhere near out of these woods yet. Especially since, like, the, in the recent past, this exact scenario has, like, in when was, when was, uh, I, I almost said third good marshal, marshal, but that's, that's, you know, racist of me. I went up, Clarence Thomas, I went up for, I went up for, a, I went up for a, 
I went up for a, a, a black Supreme Court justice. There's maybe two or three of them. I'm bad at American history, and I only pulled one that was incorrect. But yeah, Clarence Thomas, right? Like this has happened mm. and was handled very poorly. Definitely. <laughs> like, like super poorly. And in the same way that it's sort of been handled right now, even though I think this is what we're talking about when this is what the Me Too movement and Time's Up and all of the stuff that's happened in the past two years is about. That that voice does seem stronger now but it i don't know it, it's only because i was a kid yeah in the 90s that i really don't know if if both sides of the of anita hill were you know where people were standing up and not saying it's like hey this is not cool the way she's being treated people and, were saying that but those people were not treated as rational reasonable adults i, I mean even yeah, of course nita hill wasn't treated as right i mean she was vilified demonized hysterical woman did this really happen is she saying this because she's a liberal and he's a conservative a lot of echoes as to what's going on right now but i think if at this moment and i could be way wrong on this but it feels like the winds have shifted shifted in the opposite directions in 1992 it was very much if you are pro Anita Hill, you are being irrational right now. It feels like if you're pro Brett Kavanaugh, then you are being a rational person. There's a lot of things that can and should be done, and these are things that can be done very easily. Uh, and if in 1992, when the FBI was brought in to investigate Clarence Thomas, that investigation took three days. At this point, the senators who would be the ones to allow this investigation to occur saying it would just take too long. Right. We have this information, they have this information, but yet there's a lot of stuff that could be done to answer this question a little bit more definitively. Even if, okay, let's say for the sake of an argument, she is the one that is making this up, he is being 100% truthful, there are things that would allow this question to be put to rest and give him the opportunity to sit on the bench without having this hanging over his head, and that's not being done. And it would work out for the benefit of both of them, although I feel... More. This what you said is applies to the broad topic we're talking about is what happens when an acute you know someone is accused of any crime but specifically sexual assault yes. um, you know sexual abuse happens the best thing is both presumption of innocence but also a rigorous examination like mm-hmm. an actual judicious rigorous rigorous judicious rigorous mm-hmm. rigorous yeah. and judicious examination of um, the the accusation um, right. and the assumption that the accuser was a victim, mm-hmm. right? And I think I, these, I truly believe that both parties would deserve something like that: the accused and the accuser. Like, I, I have a good friend and. When we get together and we talk about this sort of thing, we're both, uh, uh, I'm ex-law enforcement, he's current law enforcement, so we'd have a tendency to talk about this sort of thing. He's always bringing up the Duke lacrosse team or Connor Oberst, who are uh, people that have been accused of Connor a sexual Lamb. assault. I'm Connor sorry? Lamb. Connor no. Lamb. Connor no. Oberst from? Yeah. Bright Eyes. From Bright Eyes? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, he was accused uh, probably about four years ago of flat-out raping a woman. Okay. 
Okay. And at that point, it was, he believed the victim. Uh, clearly, this is something happened. Maybe his record label should drop him. And he was very quick to point out, uh, when she said that this sexual assault occurred, I was hundreds of miles away performing a concert. There is a video of me performing this concert the moment she said that I assaulted her. We need to have a better conversation. And she was... She did the right thing. She came out and she said, look, I'm having some problems. I wanted some attention. This is one way I thought I would get it. This obviously did not happen. I do apologize. So, and I, I don't know, similar kind of thing to Duke Lacrosse. They were accused and that, oh, right. And the university leapt to like, essentially what, like, um, I want to say fired, but that's not the right word. They kicked all the kids off the lacrosse team. Uh, the university was looking to and then, sell them. But the, the yeah. bigger issue there was they were yeah. demonized in the media. Even after it came out that right. they did not commit these assaults, uh, Nancy Grace devoted a whole segment. And she was devoting several segments uh, of her show weekly yeah. to uh, the Duke lacrosse team. But uh, even after it came out that uh, the woman said that she falsified the accusation, she was still saying clearly this is something that... And I mean, right, part of the problem, I think, is that the, that the whole, I think basis of our modern like legal justice philosophy of presumption of innocence but also mm -hmm. and that accusation needs to be you know treated like an act like an act you know a true accusation mm -hmm. are treated like they are somehow a cognitive dissonance or paradox right it's like you yeah. can't like if right it's it's this the age-old thing of why jury trials don't of why jury trials in america don't work because presumption of innocence isn't real um it's not something that jurors are properly taught or you know most people understand it's like oh if the person's been accused and is here on trial they must be guilty right right um like that that i think that notion of presumed guilt so right, like oh, you're not. Yeah, if you're if you're sitting in this chair, then you did something wrong to get there. And I think that goes a lot of different ways. I mean, obviously, if you're a minority, you're probably assumed to be a lot more guilty than you are if you're mm -hmm. a bright-eyed college student, right? Um, with your whole say, future ahead of you. Yeah, and 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 I think the other problem is like, well, then how are we supposed to trust accusations of mm -hmm. people who are saying, "Oh, I was a, a victim of." A crime this person committed against me, right? Um, and it's like, well, you you trust them that in the you know the, this is this is why this isn't this isn't something animals naturally do. This whole situation, this whole system, isn't something that happens outside of us. You know, complex society with roads and people who wear pants. <laughs> so. It's like we have to do these two things, right? We have to rigorously examine both sides right. and come to a, a fair conclusion. You can't just say offhand, like offhand, it's like, oh, this is an old accusation. It must not be true. And it's only coming up now because it's some kind of deep state plot mm -hmm. or some kind of grab at fame. It's like, yes, those things do happen, which is why we stand with, well, innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. In my perfect world, I think if there's something I want desperately to come out of this movement, it's two things. Number one, for law enforcement on every end, whether it's the arresting officer, the detective collecting the information, conducting the interviews, 
the lawyers, the judge ultimately deciding the fate or the accused to take this a lot more seriously than they have in the past. I mean, the uh, I'm sorry, if I'm getting any of this wrong, I apologize. The uh, UCLA rapist who was on the swim team who effectively got six months for uh, violently sexually assaulting a passed out woman and taking pictures of the. That was act. Connor Lamb, wasn't it? I think. No, it was Connor Stanford. Lamb is a uh, he's a congressman out of Pennsylvania. <laughs> Way different. I'm going to go on the record and say that we like and respect Connor Lamb. I think he's going to be a good force for our region over here in Pennsylvania. And uh, uh, Connor Lamb, we apologize for any uh, Turner, any discouraging marks made about you. Sorry. No problem. Brock, Brock, Turner Brock Turner was the name yes. that was in my head. Yes. Sorry, Connor Lamb. He effectively got six months. And this is something that happened two years ago. Also, roughly about two years ago, Bill Cosby, it was still kind of publicly known. I mean, like I remember hearing about the um, Hannibal Burr set and it's like, oh, yeah, I heard about him sexually assaulting people. I, I, like there's a 30 Rock throwaway joke about it that I I – I am assuming it just had to be like, right, this is prescient and known that. There were jokes about him. There were jokes about Harvey Weinstein. I remember hearing, my wife was watching uh, Veronica Mars, and there was a joke about Donald Trump sexually assaulting people. And this was from, I believe, 2002. Uh, and no, Cosby, it was in, somebody said, somebody pointed out, it's like it in Cosby's act, just like it was in, maybe it was you who pointed this out to me, but in, just like in Louis C.K.'s act, he talked about, you know, fantasies of, you know, all these kind of perver- perverted, abusive fantasies. He has a whole bit on an album from the 70s about Spanish flies and about how yes. much he liked them. Yes, yeah, and right, doping women, so... I think it also might be worth, and I'll I'll be uh, happy to move on to another topic after this. But uh, uh, Bill Cosby's uh, sentencing hearing is going to be conducted tomorrow and Tuesday, so hmm. it'll be uh, uh, September twenty fourth and twenty fifth. It could go anywhere from he could receive house arrest, where he wouldn't be able to leave his house. He could be sentenced to jail, or he could be sentenced to prison. If his sentence is a day over two years, that's on an automatic prison sentence. In addition to that, one of the things that looks like will be determined by Tuesday will be his Megan's Law status. In Pennsylvania, the way it's done is uh, once you're convicted of a sex offense... Was he being convicted in Pennsylvania? Yes. Oh. Because the uh, sex assault took place in, uh, in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. But uh, in Pennsylvania, he um, if you're convicted of a sex offense, I'm not sure if this is something that happens automatically or if this is something that the judge has to order, but the Sex Offender Assessment Board would conduct an assessment on you to determine whether or not you should be classified as a sexually violent predator. So a sexually violent predator would automatically be a Tier 3 Megan's Law registrant. Tier 3 means that they have to register for the rest of their life four times a year, every three months. And uh, whenever something changes in their life, like their address, they get a new phone number, they get a tattoo, uh, change their appearance significantly. But in addition to that, they also have a community, they were required to attend sex offender treatment for the rest of their lives. And uh, anytime they move, a community notification flyer will be disseminated among the public. So anybody who lives within 250 feet, or if it's a rural area, the 25 closest residents will be notified that he has moved into the and area. so that's something that'll be triggered on sentencing? 
Well, the Sex Offender Assessment Board has already determined that Cosby does meet the requirements. They do keep their um, their reasoning and their criteria. It's not something that the public generally knows about, and even in this field, it's not something I know very much about. I would assume it's based on the length of the crimes, like the window in which the crimes occurred, the number of victims, and the severity. I uh, work with men right now who have one victim, but they assaulted that victim for a period of... 15 years. I work with men who have multiple victims, but were only active for about a three-year period. And uh, yeah, those two instances, these men were considered sexually violent predators. So that's one thing that could come out on Tuesday, which is something I think would be insanely significant if on top of uh, Cosby getting any kind of jail or prison time, if he's to be determined to be a sexually violent predator, that, that's a huge step forward. Um, one of the things that's going on in the background of all this is Bill Cosby's legal team is challenging the, the uh, statutes in which this is based on. So they're attacking the the basic structure that would establish hmm. one to be a sexually violent predator in anticipation that he will right. be meeting those requirements. Exactly. Looking at the reaction when a lot of the accusations started coming, like well, a lot of his accusers started coming forward mm-hmm. a couple years ago, as it relates to what uh, you you brought to the table as a topic and what this is a what we are trying to get at is how you react. As a friend, when a friend mm. is, right, you have a friend who is now... I have a friend who's been accused recently. Accused recently. Yeah. And so how do you, as a friend, react? And I'm looking at, like, Cosby... I just... I don't remember a lot of people coming to Cosby's defense. I remember oh, I him... Did. I Yeah, like, I vaguely do, but not in the same way that people... And, and like, right, Hollywood defended someone like Roman Polanski... I don't remember. I think because we were caught up in the Me Too movement, there wasn't the celebrity rush to defense. I think a lot of people were kind of like, I'm not going to put my name and career in support of this guy. Although some of the cast members of The Cosby Show were willing to do so based on their work relationship with him for a number of years. It was more the general public, like somebody who in an interview doesn't have much to lose. Yeah. Well, right. All I remember is that Whoopi Goldberg had defended him, but then at some point recanted and said, right, based on everything that's come out right now, you look really guilty. What the ultimate turning point for many of them was, and I remember one of the actresses from The Cosby Show, I don't want to say her name because honestly, I'm not 100% sure if that is her. But uh, one of the depositions was unsealed where Bill Cosby did admit to uh, drugging the victim that he's ultimately going to be sentenced on tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So at that point, he had denied it up until audio effect, or not audio, but a transcript from the court was released with him admitting it. And then at that point, where can you stand uh, other than, well, even then there was a mistrial once that was released too. So I think if anything, that just goes to show where we are, we're still progressing. But um, yeah, I, I recently had a friend, not a, not a great friend, but somebody I did hang out with. We ran races oh. uh, several times together. Um, I, I remember I ran the uh, half marathon here. I saw him on the sideline. I, I, he cheered me on. He recently qualified for Boston. I cheered him on. I thought this was a hypothetical. No, no, this is a real person. Okay. Well, how have you reacted? Well. And it could be bad. Like, right. How have you, let's, let's tell the story. Step so I, um, I'm related to somebody who works with him. 
And he came and he told me person X has been accused of stalking, uh, sexually harassing several coworkers, sending them pictures of his penis, uh, asking them uh, sexual questions, trying to arrange uh, uh, times when they would meet up, even though he's married, they're married, the girls were not welcoming it, were not interested in any type of affair, and he would not relent. This, I just, just, just to cut you off for a second, this is an entirely separate issue, but when, when did, did it become this idea of as a as a mating display to send pictures of pen- your penis to a person that's a wonderful idea other species like you build a nest or you know put together a pebble collection get your really get a really nice dance going when did for guys in the internet simply because i just need to show you my dick yeah Anyway, I th- that's anyway. just he could have that could have been the only thing this guy like a friend if a friend of mine if, if somebody all was just like oh yeah we were texting and he just can sending me pictures of his dick I'm like well, no he okay I gotta go talk to him about that yeah so when my relative came to me and said person X is doing this it was followed up with the question what should I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They asked you. They asked you this. Yeah. Um, right. My first step was get as much information about this as you can. That way, mm-hmm. when you do have to make a uh, decision, you can make it stand on firm ground. And if somebody challenges you on it, they then you can back it up with a fact. Right. It came out that it, he possibly had a number of sexual assaults mm-hmm. in his past. Uh, date rapes. Uh, ultimately, what happened in both cases that he was accused was the victim never showed up to trial. So when that happened, all charges were dropped. Okay. That alone would be enough for me to think twice about anyone. But when you couple that with, I want to say, three women that he worked with, bringing pictures in, bringing text messages in, this is more of a pattern. I will listen to what someone says and take that into account. More than that, I will look at what a person does and I take into account. But even more than that, I look for patterns in a person's behavior. And if a person displays a particular type of pattern, I think that tells me more about them than what they say or what they do on one instance. And this is a pattern, so I told my relative, cut ties, because that is what I plan to do. And I, I severed every tie that I could think of with this person. I don't know if they know that I've done that. I don't know what the reaction is, and I do not intend to find out. To, to pull this still back as this hypothetical large question, this specific case I think is interesting because one, you're not super close to this person. Like you know them you would have a beer with them. I know them. We've run races. We've, we've kind of suffered through some stuff. Casual acquaintance? A little bit more than just casual. I okay. remember uh, last year he got a DUI. And okay. he called me up for advice. And we would talk uh, several times a week, just kind of walking through it. <laughs> that's that's more about you than relationships in general. But right, right. That He'd never come over to my house for dinner. Yeah. Um, anything like that. We, we had never agreed, hey, let, well, let's go see this movie together or something like that. It was more like, hey, are you running this race? Cool, I'll see you there. For 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 Musk, this is a casual relationship, I would say. For most yes. people, it was it's more than cat, right? Like it's it's somebody who would call you for advice and ask you questions. Yeah, yeah, he'd call me for advice. I'd call him if that ever presented. We were friends on all the social media de- de- devices, and uh, yeah, I'd say I'd say we were maybe a little bit more than casual. Uh, so I'm interested that you didn't talk to him about it um and and why because that that, that's like my kind of first instinct is of um 
a close friend, right? You're more of an extrovert. I'm more of an introvert. I have my, my definition of like having that close friend advice. Like I don't have, I won't say I don't have many, but if a close friend of mine was accused of something, I would talk to them, right? Yes. If it was somebody I cared about, I would talk to them. If you were accused, you specifically, then yeah, I would come to you and say, hey, let's talk. Let's get a cup of coffee. I want to hear your side of the story. Yeah. Maybe a year ago or two years ago, I would have done that with him. Okay. At this point, I think I'm just getting exhausted of trying to... I I had a friend recently who beat his wife very Mm -hmm. badly. Uh, The the, uh, law enforcement officers that arrested him said it was one of the worst beatings that they'd ever seen a woman get. And this is somebody you've met. This is somebody that was at my wedding. Um, Somebody I was very close with. Somebody I worked alongside. And we had to trust each other pretty pretty deeply because we were both law enforcement. And we both, if we're going through the door, we need somebody behind us so we can make sure that we get home. For you personally, you can't go through that kind of, right, like (laughs) that kind of close sundering again, right? Like knowing it's like, oh shit, this person I trusted and was close close with and I thought was air quotes double air quote nested air quotes a good guy mm-hmm. um, I thought he was a good is guy is not a good guy he was the opposite of a good guy yeah um no so that that make that makes sense and I th- I think um for some reason like the Jerry Sandusky case keeps pop has recently been popping into my head but now in this conversation is popping to my head just as right like what not to do mm-hmm. when you find out like you don't cover it up you don't ignore it um yeah. you you yeah if if evidence is brought to you that a friend and you have to deal with it right you have to make a decision and part of that is not just going and dealing with the friend but also saying okay well this also includes the victim and what does the victim want mm-hmm. done and want me to help them with yeah and keep in mind that what the victim wants can shift dramatically. Um, in the instance of my friend who beat his wife, I'm also very good friends and worked with his wife for several years. Yeah. In the beginning, she wanted somebody to testify in court against this person. Mm-hmm. At that point, I said, I will testify to everything I remember. Here is what I remember. Right. And she said, I would like you to say more. It's like, well, I'm under oath. I, I really can't. Uh, she severed ties with me. And yes. uh, she is uh, currently back with uh, her husband. They've been mm. back together for several months, and uh, that's all yeah. I know. Yeah. So that's... what she wanted something that shifted dramatically, and quite honestly, being that I mean, I've seen the I've seen the pictures of her, and I've talked to enough people in Person X that have seen the text messages, the dick pics, the whatever, where I'm comfortable saying I don't think this person can tell me anything that would excuse or exonerate their behavior. Therefore, I'm done. Nor nor is it my pl- right as the level of a relationship my place to try to get them to do the right thing. No. Which I think, right, like as a friend, to me, it's the best thing you can do as a friend and support always in any situation is to get your friend to do the right thing. What all does that entail, though? So, Because realistically, I could go to both of these men and say, hey, you shouldn't be sending pictures of your penis to people. Let's, let's give you help. In, in the place where it's like, well, some, a crime has been committed, sexual abuse has been committed, mm-hmm. um, 
and to go to pick at this Kavanaugh case again. Um, you know, all these people, all these women that he was, he's been friends with since high school who came forward and said, no, he's a good guy. Um, I think is one thing is what you don't do as a friend. That's not real support, right? I think what they should have done was to go to Kavanaugh and say, Hey, you need to own this. And, but at that point, him owning is just saying, I am being falsely accused. Right. And and if that case, then it's a little bit more than he said, she said law enforcement. Yeah. Because if it was he said, she said, he would be saying, you know, you can't prove a negative, being open and honest about your time at that age. And to go full circle, there are things that could be done where if he didn't do it, I think it would sway a lot of people. Number one, the FBI investigation could be conducted. It could be conducted by the time that that uh, Cosby ruling is handed down. Number two, there is a person at the party who was in the room with him by the name of Mark Judge. Right, who who wrote a book about, well, he didn't write a book about Bart O'Kavanaugh, but a character called Bart O'Kavanaugh appeared in his book as a hard partying, drunk, hard drinking, yeah. drunk, yeah. And Mark Judge also has been on the record as saying he, while he doesn't remember that night and that incident, in separate interviews he and in these books that he's written, he said he doesn't remember much of his life, period, at that time because it was a pretty long blackout. And honestly, again, why I go back to this whole thing of presumption of innocence, acceptance of the accusation, like coming forward, right, supporting your friend by coming out and, and releasing a statement saying, no, the Brett Kavanaugh we know would never do this is not an acceptance of the accusation. Right. It's, you know, it's, it's a denial of that the accusation could be possible. And right. again, right. This is a 20 year old incident. 30. Of course it's possible. And it's, it's, it's also possible that he doesn't remember and hasn't thought about it because he wasn't right now to go back. It's, it's possible. Likely. I just, I don't believe so. I don't know. Do you, and I, because I think about this a lot, um, and because right, and and this you know, whenever these types of stories come up in, in the culture and media about like, oh, uh, he boy, you know, this was a different time. Boys, boys will be boys, was the excuse. It was twenty years ago. Like, is is every man supposed to be responsible for the shitty things they did when they were teenagers? And yeah, the answer is yes. One, yes, I, that's they. Yes, they are. And two, I think the problem is they. I don't even want to say there's a sense of, oh, I got away with that. I think it's really a sense of I've buried it or repressed it and I don't think about it so I can get away with it, right? I can pretend that it didn't happen. I think one can pretend that it didn't happen, but I think now, especially now in this day and age, if you're a man and you have any sort of motivation in your life to climb, to be a socially mobile, you know, career mobile person, and you have these things in your background, you know that they happen. I think one type of person would come forward and say, hey, find their victim and say, I did this. I apologize. If there's something I can do, let me know and I'll do it. I think there's another type of man who's just like, I'm just going to say, I don't remember, which yeah. is in my career is a fallacy. I, I deal with a number of men who have been, who've accepted a plea, meaning that they have appeared in front of a judge and said, and said I am I'm guilty, guilty, who come to me in therapy and say, well, I actually made that up because I wanted to spare my victim the pain of appearing in court or, or whatever. And when we polygraph them, uh, I can think, I can count on one hand the amount of times that somebody was found to have not done. It, that they were in fact railroaded and this, this is out of hundreds of men and women 
Oh, that they took the plea, at, but were it, right. I can Somebody, think of three men who took a plea, even though that they were innocent. I can right. think of several hundred that have told me that they were innocent, but failed the polygraph. And then later confessed oh, and said, look, oh, I, I just see. didn't want to do therapy. I, I thought I could get off of parole, whatever. I, I really did it. And I also did these five other ones that they never caught me on. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um no, and, and applying it to myself or applying it to you just to keep it in the realm of, oh, I'm, my friend is being accused. If, sure. if you were accused, right, I would be shocked. Oh, wow. Time flies when you're, <laughs> when you're talking, talking about, about sex, sex crimes. Yeah. <laughs> but if I were accused. If you were accused, I'd be shocked. Mm-hmm. And right, my brain would want to deny it. It's like, no, the person I know, the Todd I know, my good friend would would could is is incapable of doing that and right like that's i feel the standard refrain um it it always comes up for me because like that was the big thing of serial season one about oh the the person i know couldn't kill them right but he must be guilty or the you know the brett kavanaugh i know or the louis ck i know or the bill cosby i know or the todd that i know couldn't do that and it's this weird thing of yeah people don't wear aren't aren't like most people aren't that duplicitous right Yes, we wear masks, but if if you were to be accused, I would be like, yeah, sure, of course. And 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 I like your your dichotomy of there's the kind of person who says to themselves, shit, yeah, maybe I could have hurt this person. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I don't really like I don't have a recollection of it or I've actually remember but kind of pushed it aside. Yeah, I I, I hurt them. I, I could, right. It's it's totally possible I could have hurt them uh, if they're claiming. So we should work it out. Like, and to me, I would never. Yeah. I know in my heart that Todd never did anything to our mutual friends at parties or anything. If one of them were to come forward and say, hey, this happened. He did this to me at this party. I'd be like, well, okay, well, we need to gather the people who knew you and the facts of that night and figure it out. Right. Because, right, it may be perfectly true that she was, you know, um, this woman who Ford, whose name was just thrown in public, was assaulted, but it wasn't Brett Kavanaugh, right? That's one. That's the Republican line saying, well, let's split the hairs here. She was assaulted, but maybe it was somebody else. Maybe she was so drunk that she doesn't remember who the assaulter is. That doesn't say, okay, well, then... We, we need to let this slide. Mm-hmm. You collect the evidence that you can, and you make the decision from there. Currently, what's happening, though, is that the evidence is not even being collected. You've been, you've been accused, so you need to stand up and treat the accusation with respect. Right. Even as the person who's accused, you need to take this seriously. And you can't just say, nah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't happen. Fake news. All right. Well... On that note. Good takeaway. Yeah. As Ozzie Davis famously said, scripted by Spike Lee, always do the right thing. Yeah. All right. Have a good night. Tell your sick wife I said I hope she feels better. I will. Thank you very much. And I will be, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you. Have a good night, Tim. Bye. You take care out there. Hanging up is what we're going to do right now. This has been Mansplain Nation. I hope you've all enjoyed. Uh, good times. 
Thank you all for listening. Thank you to the artist Kulla for the use of our theme song, Freed from Greed, off their album Trinity. To listen to more of their music, please go to their website, Kulla.com. As always, don't keep yourself in a box. Oh, 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 o